Hello everyone, welcome to Spawn Daily, a comic source comic boom collaboration uh, and a testament to our insanity as Rocky and I try to read every issue of the regular Spawn series uh, as we celebrate the 30th anniversary of Spawn this year. So yes. we're over a week in, we haven't missed a day yet, so still going strong. Uh, and at some point we may, I say may, uh, fold in some other mini series that were spawn related like violator and medieval spawn Witchblade, and, and some of that stuff but in the meantime we're just covering the the regular series by the time the end of the year rolls around it'll be up somewhere between 330 and 340 so we have a little bit of a cushion and we'll see how far we can go but man it it, it feel we're on issue what is this 20 that we're talking about 21 that we're talking about today uh, um yeah 21 and it, I, I only 21 issues in i feel like a lot of the mythology of Spawn and the story of Spawn is pretty well established at this point. But to your point that you made uh, a couple of episodes ago, we're still discovering things about his powers, namely Harry Houdini teaching him how to, you know, conjure things out of thin air with his costume. So who who knows how you know how his powers and whatnot will will continue to grow uh, as as things roll around. But but this one felt a little bit like. Uh, a catch-up issue with McFarlane back on pencils and and words. What do you think? Yeah, I, I I really liked it here, and I just I just want to apologize. Hopefully, you can't hear in the background. I got my, my daughter behind me. Uh, oh, okay, I guess she's being moved. But in any event, uh, I I really like this. I, I did enjoy this issue, but boy, I could tell McFarlane is back. I <laughs> it, uh, it it was it was very easy to tell that uh, McFarlane was back, and that's I don't say that in an insulting way. I just mean that he's. He's sort of back, heavy on the exposition in, in uh, that was in a way that's really impossible to, impossible to sort of ignore. But you know, uh, again, it's it's good to see McFarlane back. Uh, I love the 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 page itself. I mean, the cover is fantastic. I mean, I actually I actually do kind of uh, I like the more clear, crisp lines of uh, that, that McFarlane has at least on on the uh, on the cover here when McFarlane's. McFarlane is on his A game here, and he's being—he's either inking himself or he's—he's he's having somebody do do the inks. Uh, It—I actually do prefer his look on Spawn, uh, uh, although Greg Capullo uh, is pretty good as well. But this this issue is called the Hunt, and uh, we we learn we continue to learn more about uh, more about what what is going on. As you indicated, uh, the issue starts off with it looks like somebody is stitching up Spawn, and it ends up it, it's this. One of the uh, one of the uh, homeless people, I guess the the bums that live in the streets with him, is uh, is actually stitching up Spawn's face. When we reviewed issue twenty, we it was it was during last last issue when Spawn worked with Houdini to prevent the you know to battle against the the terrorists that were going to essentially create an atomic explosion. Uh, Houdini transported that uh, the the atom bomb away. To a place called the Overlap, but in the process of doing that, Sean, got, uh, pardon me, Spawn got shot in the face. And and um, for those just listening on the on the on the podcast, I can tell you that Spawn Spawn looks ugly to begin with, and McFarlane is very good at drawing just how ugly and burnt Spawn uh, is. But boy, it, it, he does a really great job here of showing literally uh, his face being stitched together by shoelaces. I mean I mean this, this this street person named Bobby is his name. He's he's actually given Spawn a pep talk. 
spawns all depressed, you know, I mean, like because of his life and, and in the, in the, in the ongoing dialogue that ensues, it's through the dialogue that we, we, in a sense, get another recap of what's gone on. And, you know, Bobby's talking and his Bobby character is talking about, you know, he's, he uses his own shoelaces at one point to uh, literally to, to, to lace up Spawn's face. And and he tells Spawn that, look, um, and this is where McFarlane kind of goes back to what has become one of his habits. He he wants to reinforce just how good Spawn is. And uh, this, this Bobby character is telling Spawn, trying to give him a pep talk, saying, look, we, we look up to you here. We look up to you here. And then to really drive, you know, Nail the nail the point home. Bobby talks about his own life, how his own life, his own wife, that he used to be a successful businessman. His wife died of brain cancer, and that he never overcame that. He never recovered from it. He let the loss of his wife and the loss of his previous life basically destroy him. And he's he's now accepted his life as basically being a bum on the streets and a homeless person. And Spawn expresses regret and and you know essentially apologizes to him. And he says, you know, don't apologize to me. I've, you know, this is my life now. And but basically, he's telling him, you know, just just continue to, uh, you know, we look up to you. You're okay, Spawn. So he's giving Al Simmons a pep talk, you know, saying, you know, don't don't give up. You know, don't become like me. Don't assume that this being a street person that this is your destiny. That you know things are going to be okay. But you know, use my life, my failure of, uh, of my failure and the narrative of my life. Use that as an example. You know, don't give up. We look up to you. Try to see how, what your potential is. Try to see the potential that we see in you who are your friends. And you might not have the life you had, but you have friends now and we're your friends. Again, we've, we've got this before in previous issues, but it's really hammered home here again. And one compliment I'll give McFarlane is that it's, at least this is hammered home, home in, in a dialogue where we get to know something about this Bobby character and... We, we get to see some some character uh, building with, with with respect to the people on the street that that spawn actually lives with and cares about and that these aren't just you know he finally we're getting a little bit he's spawn uh, McFarlane is humanizing the homeless people that these aren't just they're not all drug dealers they're not all terrible people these are people whose life circumstances have put them in their position Uh now I say that with a little bit of a shit-eating grin on my face because there are other homeless people who are criminals and who are drug dealers that we're going to be getting to in this issue coming up here because typical McFarland fashion, when we get one end of the spectrum, we often get the other end of the spectrum very quickly to, to, to you know, where things lie. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because, yeah, you do feel bad for Bobby character. He lost his wife, basically crawled inside a bottle and and, you know, being a drunk cost him everything. And yeah, it's, it, it's definitely circumstance. You kind of wonder it. It seems like the reason that spawn needs this pep talk is the fact that his face has been split in half. And then, you know, like you said, sewn back together with an old shoelace. Um, but the reason I pointed it out last, last time when we talked is because he, he gets shot in the forehead and you do see some uh, subsequent drawings of spawn by Greg Capullo, where you do see some kind of green, you know, blood or energy or whatever it is coming out of his forehead. But here it look, I mean, it literally looks like somebody took an ax and buried it in, you know, in his face. And yeah. and this goes to what I mentioned last time about talking about some continuity stuff. 
some sort of behind the scenes. And there's even uh, an editorial note that comes from Tom Orzakowski himself that says, because when Spawn, Bobby asks, you know, how did you get so jacked up? Spawn's response is, ran into some bozo in black, which I I guess, I mean, bozo in black, I, Houdini? So he's blaming it on Houdini that he got shot in the face when he was actually protecting Ter- Terry Fitzgerald. Yeah. But here, here's, here's the point. 19 and 20 came out after 21, right? So Spawn, if you were, and I remember when it happened because people were talking about it was right in that period of time when image books were late and was causing a lot of consternation. And so, so supposedly that's exactly what happened here. Oh, 19 wow. and 20 were, um, were solicited. And I don't know if it was because Orzakowski was writing it or it was this Grossberg guy or, or why it was late. Maybe Capullo was struggling. Maybe he got sick. I don't know. But the point being that they ended up having to cancel them. Todd McFarlane's comic book publishing company, Todd McFarlane's productions ended up having to cancel 19 and 20 and resolicit resolicit them so spawn went from like issue 18 and then nothing for two months and then 21 came out and then eventually (laughs) uh 19 and 20 came out the the reason i pointed out is so i again i wasn't read i had fallen off spawn at that point i was tired of it being late but you wonder if the people were like oh man i I really got to go read 19 and 20 when it comes out because there must be at some point spawn gets his face cut in half by a sword or a knife or a axe or whatever by some guy in black and then when you go back like if you actually read have read 21 first and then went back and looked at it you're like wait where's the point where he gets his face yeah cut in half it's a good uh, point oh, he actually doesn't oh, he just gets shot there's one yeah, scene where he gets, gets shot, shot but that's it yeah but when you look at his face here all sewn up and don't get me wrong it's a fantastic image from mcfarland it split from his forehead all the way down to his chin <laughs> So, and it stays like this for a long, for a long time in the comics. So I just wanted to point that out. Um, I went and did some research because I didn't remember. I remembered it came out out of order. I had forgotten that it came out out of order until I saw this editorial note from Tom Orzakowski. Then it jogged my memory. Oh yeah, I remember that because people were pissed at the time. And then I went back and did a little research. There wasn't some great big conspiracy or anything that just 19 and 20 were, were late. And you wonder... Yeah, again, I don't know if it was Capullo. McFarlane is on back on the art duties here. So, I mean, in a lot of detail, you know, uh, we've talked in the past, last couple issues, McFarlane drew, you didn't have a lot of detail yeah. uh, in the backgrounds. Uh, but here he's kind of back to his uh, his old detailed self. So well, it, uh, it, I thought it, I'd point, point that out. You no, know, it's, it's a really good point. And, and uh, so not only was there, of course, real world influence uh, and, and that might explain some of this slight discrepancy here, uh, in in terms of the in-story continuity. But also, I think it's a little wonky in terms of Spawn's powers. I mean, we know in the previous two issues that came out after, as you indicate, that Houdini basically taught Spawn to use his powers more efficiently and taught taught Spawn how to use powers to, you know, actually physically create things from, from photons and atoms and, and to, to manipulate things and manipulate the material world and understand how magic can work in conjunction with the real world and magic works in conjunction with reality, not against it and those types of things. And yet, one of the questions I have is, why does Spawn, why can't Spawn heal himself? This, yeah. I mean, why doesn't Spawn heal himself? Why, th- this scene seems forced, like almost like 
it, it this scene almost this scene almost seems to exist to allow McFarland to show off his cool visuals because this is a spectacular image with Spawn's face with the shoelaces and stitches half the, with the crackdown. I mean, it looks amazing. It really does. And and for that reason, I'm forgiving of the of the you know I don't need an answer to my question. I, I I'm assuming Spawn just decided not to heal himself. But even, I mean, Spawn could have easily manifested stitches. He didn't need to use his 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 homeless, you know, his buddy's shoelaces. I mean, <laughs> I mean, the whole thing just seems. I mean, you know, I mean, again, uh, it's one of those things you kind of let go because. Um, I will say this: it looks about, cool. Yeah, yeah, you let it go because it looks cool. Yeah, it looks cool. It's like, ah, okay, whatever. We'll go with it. <laughs> but in any event, the the story continues. So Spawn is given this pep talk. And there's a great transition where it shows the face of this uh, this Bobby uh, this Bobby with a grin on his face, and, and and right below that, the transition to the next scene, it shows the face of Jason Wynn. Now, what is shocking about that is that how is Jason Wynn still alive? We thought Jason Wynn. I mean, we thought you know, J- we thought Jason Wynn. We know he became the anti-spawn. Jason Wynn was whisked off and he was taken to the Angel Satellite and became sort of like an agent working ostensibly for the same organization that we think that that a- Angela was uh, was working for, at least a similar one. And there and that his goal as anti-Spawn, his memories was to kill Spawn. And we were unclear as to what Jason Wynn's memories were. He didn't as the anti-Spawn. It was not clear that Jason that anti-Spawn was even conscious of his Jason Wynn persona. Of his and so there's a lot of questions and Spawn defeated Anti Spawn, and then Anti Spawn was whisked away uh, back up into the satellite and we haven't seen him since. But we assume that he would be healed, that Jason Wynn would be healed up and sent back down at some point as Anti Spawn to make a second attempt to kill Spawn. But instead, what we get and it's a surprise in this issue is that suddenly Jason Wynn is back. It's all, we're told through the dialogue and narration that he's been missing for two days. So he was only gone for two days. And uh, he's a couple of, uh, of his, his underlings or the, are advising him that they, 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 they finish their report and they, they can't find anything in incriminating against Terry Fitzgerald, uh, Terry Fitzgerald. So it was clear that Jason Wynn wanted to try to set Terry Fitzgerald up you know, to, to blame something on Terry Fitzgerald. Uh, and, and of course, but unfortunately the debacle that was caused by Jason Wynn's disappearance and the anti-spawn and, and the, and the, it, the news had come out. And after all the evidence has come in, it's clear that the, you know, the, the, the violator, this, this clown is responsible for the death of all these other mo- mafia mobster figures. And, uh, Terry Fitzgerald is not implicated in that. The appearance of anti-spawn and the chaos caused by that. I mean, it threw a wrench into to whatever scheme Jason Wynn was trying to create, whatever false flag or whatever machinations Jason Wynn had in wanting to set Terry Fitzgerald up to take the fall for something. We're not sure what it is in much the same way as he set things up for Al Simmons to take the fall that eventually led Al Simmons to become spawn. That has not, not worked. Now, Jason Wynn is adamant here that if you, you know, he, he gets angry with his underling saying, you keep investigating Terry Fitzgerald, the FBI, CIA. Jason Wynn is head of uh, intelligence operations in the U.S. Apparently, he's got all this power and control. He's an enormously powerful and influential person. 
And he even tells his underlings to go and try to find something against Wanda. And so the central mystery here, and probably the one that is the largest one moving forward is, what happened to Jason Wynn? How did he come back? Does he remember being anti-spawn? He seems to be healed. He doesn't, I mean, he seems to even be in better shape than he was. Uh, Jace, you mentioned as, as a commentary, you talked about Jason Wynn, even when Jason Wynn was working out in issue 17 or 18, he had he had a little bit of a belly on him. He had mus- was muscular. And here he seems, Jason Wynn almost, almost seems to be in, you know, doesn't have his, uh, arguably doesn't have his belly anymore. Uh, he seems to be a, a big man, but he seems to be healthy, arguably healthier than he's ever been. So it's very interesting in terms of, you know, where is this, you know, where is this going? So that's a pretty major revelation. We then get a transition and we get Sam and Twitch. So great to see these two again. (laughs) And Sam and Twitch, they're still pissed off at Spawn. They're pissed (laughs) off because they're still pissed off with Billy Kincaid showing up dead in their office because they were investigated. I mean, Spawn obviously had a sense of humor. He catches the serial killer. Sam and Twitch you know, uh, hated Billy Kincaid, Kincaid as much as anybody, but they didn't expect to see Billy Kincaid end up dead, literally hanging from, from their, from their office at the police station that led to an investigation. So Sam and Twitch are a little bit pissed off and they want to find Spawn. This is where things get kind of funny for me because he's, uh, this, it leads to the, arguably the best line of dialogue. Well, no, I'm going to, I'm going to say this is the best line of dialogue in this entire issue. So, Sam is questioning this street bum. And I said before how in the, the issue started off where we, where McFarlane really humanizes this guy named Bobby who lost his wife to cancer and it, although homeless, has a high moral code and looks up to Spawn and he doesn't want Spawn to follow his life, the life path that his did. And then here we get Sam and Twitch beating the hell or beating, interrogating this other street bum who McFarlane goes out of his way in the narration in the dialogue. Sam describes this guy as being a drug dealer, selling drugs to kids, uh, a crack dealer. Uh, I mean, just just literally just uh, selling illegal firearms. And all with the goal here of getting this guy, he wants, Sam wants this guy to be a, a, a snitch. He wants information on where he can find Spawn. And and at what at one point, he says to this guy, he goes, uh, you know, you get me information on Spawn or or you'll be you'll be put away so long you'll wish you bought stock in the Vaseline company. <laughs> <laughs> I mean I mean the implications of this, uh if you yeah, just let your well, then he, and, yeah, and then he says, Do I make myself clear, Mr. Sweet Cheeks? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So just a right but just to ram it home exactly yeah. what they're talking about here with the Vaseline and the sweet cheeks. <laughs> oh man. And you know, it's funny because it sort of underscores one of the, uh, and I don't, you know, it underscores the, just the, the complexity or it's, it's very, it's very simple, but there's a complexity to the, to the setting here because one of the things that we have to be mindful of is, you know, spawn is not the police spawn is friends with the homeless people of the people in the street. Spawn doesn't interrogate them. Uh, and it's interesting because Spawn must know that a lot of the homeless people probably are criminals, probably engage in some degree of criminal activity, but he doesn't, he's, you know, 
He does, he's not judge, jury, or executioner. They're his friends. And, and he's got to know that some of them engage in criminal conduct or drug dealing. And so I just find it kind of interesting here that Sam and Twitch really are treating, I mean, the way they treat this guy is, is absolutely terrible. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it certainly probably would constitute police brutality by any definition, but it's hard not to smile reading the dialogue here because Sam does not care about this guy at all. It's like, you find me spun <laughs> and, and, and you find me him quick. And anyways, I, I think it, I thought it really, really worked. And so as, uh, so as the story, as it proceeds, we get, um, <laughs> oh man, uh, uh, oh yeah, okay, sorry, uh, there was another line of dialogue here that is coming up. The, we have a scene transition then where an, another, uh, another homeless person, you know, in, in the alley walks up to Spawn and says, hey Spawn, there's a guy over there a couple blocks away, he's looking for you Spawn and he thinks you're a pussy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is the actual dialogue. I mean, this, it, it almost read like a bad Western, you know, I mean, it's like, you know, you know, the big bully on the street, you know, some guy comes in and he wants to knock off the top dog and it's just hilarious. I mean, it says, you know, some, oh, and it isn't just some guy hits spawn. Hey, some Nazi skinhead is looking for you, says you're a pussy. <laughs> I mean, come on. And so, and then, and then. McFarlane goes out of his way in the narration, again, over-expository in my mind, but just to ram the point home that, you know, Spawn is just so frustrated with all these punks want to come to his neighborhood to try to one-up him and try to dethrone him, and, you know, just he just wants to be left alone, and, uh, you know, you know, just really, this poor Spawn character, poor Al Simmons, you know, he just wants to be left alone to live his life and meander in a pit of self-despair, but, you know, there's always somebody that Somebody that wants a piece of him, you know, it's, I'm reminded of that scene in Godfather 3, Al Pacino, you know, every time I try to get out, they, they try to pull me back in, you know, there's always some punk that wants a piece of me, whether it's from heaven or hell, or just on the streets themselves, it's, but in any event, so Spawn then approaches this guy, and, and, and basically it's, it's just, it's not anybody who's powerful or anything. It's just the guy who's is basically just warning him at, that because he's basically sent. He was sent by Vito Gravano, uh, uh, otherwise known as uh, you know uh, Anthony Tony Twist Twistelli, but uh, he's Vito Gravano, and he's the mobster that that was look that he's looking for Spawn. He wants to get revenge. Just to uh, recap a little bit in the earlier issues when when the Violator, the clown, the, you know the that that devilish clown violator was killing all mobsters, hoping that Spawn would get the the, the blame. And when Sp and uh, Vito Gravano sent overt kill to try to take out Spawn, that failed spectacularly. Spawn pretty much took uh, dealt with overt kill and then attacked Vito Gravano and threatened him in his own office. And Vito wants obviously Vito wants revenge, and. We, we should mention at this point that there's a, a there was apparently a, a miniseries at the time called the Vi the Violator had his own miniseries, and a character by the name of Admonisher Vito Gravano sent a hitman by the name of Admonisher against the the Violator, and the Violator is that's why Violator is not in this story because the Violator ha is having his own adventures so to speak he's being taken out by the Admonisher in his own miniseries at the time and he ends up essentially 
going back to hell with his four brothers. So that's what's happening off the scene here. So that's why Violator doesn't show up in this story. So the, as, as the story progre- progresses, it's, it's clear that um, uh, we, um, I should say that my, I'm just collecting my thoughts here. One of the things that threw me is that because Violator was off the playing field, I was kind of wondering exactly, exactly what was, what was going to happen, what was, what was going on. And I was a little surprised that Vito Gravano, this mobster who doesn't have any power, he's just a mobster and he has to know how powerful Spawn is. He's, I'm surprised, like, what is he really hoping to achieve? And th- this Spawn obviously sends this, this just, street person who confronted him back back to Vito Gravano. He's all beaten up. And he tells Vito, I mean, he basically relays the message from Spawn. Because I mean, Spawn can't believe it. He figures, he thinks Vito Gravano is just a punk. He's just a small player. He's a punk. You know, leave me alone. Uh, but it's quite obvious that Vito wants to take him off the playing field. And and he's he's angry with him. And that's really it. Vito just wants to get revenge. And and we find out that it was Vito Gravano himself who also hires the a hitman called the Admonisher to take out Violator, and that that goes off into a separate uh, a separate mini series, and then we get a huge info dump by 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 all the broadcasters again with the Entertainment Network, CNN, and you know the liberal and the conservative media, uh, which McFarlane didn't have a problem uh, portraying back in the day. A huge info dump, and somehow all these. We talked about before the 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 number of the amount of information that these media moguls know, uh, that these broadcasters know. <laughs> I mean, we we get a we get a we get a full summary of all the events. Uh, again, it was a, just an over expositional dump of information that was completely unnecessary, but we got it anyway. And how some of these again, how these reporters would have, would be privy to all this information. Uh, I think that it was just McFarlane's way to try to, instead of just having too much omniscient, you know, narration uh, in in just a bunch of uh, expository boxes scattered all over the page, he you know he's putting it through the media, but I it didn't that didn't quite work for me, and that's really how the issue ends. So it ends with a huge revelation that Jason Wynn is back. He seems to be human again. He's not anti-spawn. It's not clear if he has memories of being anti-spawn. We know Vito uh, Gravano is, uh, wants to take out spawn again and is doing what he can to facilitate that. We know Overt Kill is not dead, that Vito Gravano is working on uh, resurrecting Overt Kill to send against spawn. And that's how the issue ends with spawn you know, sitting all depressed in an alley, you know, looking at uh, at what is left of his life at this moment. So a lot happens. It was, it was a good, I thought it was an overall good issue, but the dialogue here was hilarious. I I mean, uh, again, uh, you know, uh, buy stock in a Vaseline company and, you know, spawn is a pussy. Uh, there were some fun moments here. I had fun reading this. Um, but again, if I think too hard about it, the one ongoing consistent, criticism and I, I'm, I'm still putting it in the minor category because I'm having fun and that is is just the you know there's often I, I don't need all the information 
but I will point out one of the things you said before that there's no question that for new readers, you could almost pick up whether if you started reading Spawn at issue one, at any issue through issues one through 21, almost every, any issue, you could start reading Spawn and understand the character. And that's, that's both a compliment to McFarlane's approach to storytelling, because it's a little bit more, I think, old school, but it's also maybe detracts from loyal readers who don't need a full recap every single time. Because let's not forget, there's a reason why in most traditional Marvel comics, for example, and even DC, there's that little recap at the first page, you know, you know, bitten by a radioactive spider, you know, young Peter Parker gained the powers of a spider. And, you know, you just need a, you know, you just need a little blurb. You don't need full double page narration for, for recaps. But in any event, I, I had fun with it. What do you think? Yeah, well, I think things get missed um, when you because people see that wall of text uh, because, yeah, you're right. Earlier, you know, Jason Wynn shows up and I had those same questions It and it's easily missed because in that wall of text, actually, the CNN reporter mentions, I'll see if I can find it here. As I'm, uh, yeah, um, so Wynn is, is back after being gone for two days. Uh, underwent some 60 physical and psychological tests after being discovered crumpled on his office floor the previous Friday, uh, apparently by a member of the custodial staff. Uh, Wynn claims no recollection of anything that occurred during his absence. So we know he doesn't remember being anti-spawn. Um, don't know how he got returned. So yeah, it was taken from the gymnasium and then returned. So yeah, easy, easy to miss those kind of things when it's this these giant walls of text. The only thing I can theorize is that uh, when they, the powers that be on that satellite brought Wynn back up, they talked about, well, we need to make him more powerful, run more tests, whatever. Maybe they're prepping and they're gonna suck Jason Wynn back up at some point. Maybe they're gonna try a different vessel, who knows? But yeah, I was shocked to see Wynn just show back up. At least we got this wall of text at the end to give us a couple sentences of explanation. Strange to put it so far in the back uh, of the book. Uh, my, my biggest criticism of the book, um, it's not even the fact that Spawn's face is somehow split completely from top to bottom, even though no, no real reason for it to have happened in the previous issue. It's, it's the dialogue that you mentioned. Uh, and while it can be fun at times, and it is with the Vaseline and the sweet cheeks and the Spawn's a pussy, um, <laughs> it can be painful at times too. I, I think the worst for me were the supposed two FBI agents that come to talk to Terry Fitzgerald um calling him fitzy and uh when his phone rings uh shut up weasel ain't nothing gonna save your neck turncoat now get your phone uh, who 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 is intelligent enough to be an agent of of the fbi that's gonna talk like that they talk like like you know five cent mobsters and and you know Dracula Vito Vittorio Graves talks that way as well, but he is a he is a two bit monster. So you expect him to talk that way, not these uh, not these yeah. FBI guys. So, yeah, and the other um, thing that doesn't make sense, just to quickly add to you, that point is, you know, uh, Jason Wynn wants them to find something incriminating against Terry Fitzgerald. So why would they play their hand? Why would they go to Terry Fitzgerald? And basically give them, I mean, by intimidating like this, they're giving them a heads up that they're they're hunting him. They're they're going for him. I mean, 
you know, it would seem to me a more more tactically efficient thing is to just stay in the shadows and wait for Terry to screw up if he's going to screw up. It just seemed like a again, it's it's McFarland's way of just making sure the bad guy make making sure that the bad guys are really bad. They're not just bad; they're they're like bad or they're stupid bad or they're funny bad. Yeah. Or the dialogue isn't just funny; it's over the top nonsense, and it's there's always one step above, you know, you know, there's, there's a person that's a bully and then there's a person who's really a bully and an intimidator. And then you see that both in the, in the fight scenes and the dialogue and the shit eating grins on, on the villains versus the, the, the good guys. I mean, in many ways, this, this is the epitome of what a, many a t- ways a comic book is traditionally supposed to be, you know, it's not supposed to be a mystery all the time. So I think in that way, I'm getting a greater appreciation for this. And I kind of wish I'd have continued to read it past issue 12 back in the day because I'm enjoying this so far. Yeah, I kind of, I feel the same way. I wish I had, had been reading it all along. Uh, but again, I, I mean, my, my, the biggest reason I fell off for me was just the lateness of, of the issues. It's too hard to keep track. Uh, and I didn't have, when I was at this time, I didn't have a comic shop. Well, actually, actually, I think when these were coming out, yeah, I was at, in college and there wasn't a comic shop within 45 minutes. So made it tougher for me. Um, the other thing that I'll say, um, because not only can we tell McFarland's back based on the scripting and, and the over exposition, uh, obviously the art style, you know, it's, as soon as you open that first page, you're like, oh, McFarland's back. Uh, and I, you know, McFarland himself, and you've said this before, Rocky, McFarland himself says Greg Capullo is a better Spawn artist than he is. Um, and I, I always kind of poo pooed that. I'm like, oh, man, Spark. Spawn is a McFarland creation. McFarland should be the one that draws it. And I'm a big fan of McFarland's art from back in the day from Infinity Incorporated and Incredible Hulk and obviously his Spider-Man work. I got to admit, like, I missed the Capullo art a little bit on this issue. Um, so I'm not saying that I prefer Capullo over McFarland. I'm not to that point yet. But I may find myself agreeing with Todd at some point that I actually like Capullo's art on Spawn better? Like the, the the possibility, I'm not saying I do, I'm just saying the <laughs> possibility, the seed has been planted that I may I may find myself in that camp uh, at some point. But uh, I mean, the art and the color work here is, is fantastic. It's as dynamic as anything Todd's done. And I mentioned, uh, you know, maybe he had a little more time to, to draw this. Uh, the backgrounds are back in detail uh, as well, which really helps to sell the art, so. Yeah, no, it's uh, like I said. I, I mean, the the, diff, the 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 distinctions between the Capullo styles and McFarlane style. I mean, look, I could I could confuse the two. I'm not going to pretend to be some artistic. You know, I, I could be fooled here. I I, I think both have done a, a really really great job, and the art in this particular issue was was really good. And it's and when when art is that good that I am prepared to forgive some maybe continuity or in-story continuity glitches, like why doesn't Spawn heal himself? Well, quite frankly, I'm glad he didn't, and I'm glad he got stitched up. Yeah. Because we got a gorgeous double-page spread showing, or, or at least one full page of Spawn with his face <laughs> stitched in half with shoelaces. I mean, this is horror stuff. This is what you look for in a, in a comic book about a hell Spawn. I mean, come on. This was, uh, again, this... This is not pretending, you know, this isn't pretending to be Shakespeare by any stretch of the imagination. This is a, this is a fun, 
uh, action-packed comic book about a guy who's basically made a, you know, ended up making a very bad deal with the with the devil. <laughs> and uh, we got heaven involved. We got magic users involved. And uh, we got uh, street people involved. We got mobsters involved. I mean, McFarlane is doing a good job. We got the media involved. We got politics involved. This thing has it all. Uh, I mean, it, it. I'm gonna read something. It's from uh, uh, at one point the 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 the, the, the gangster here, Vito uh, uh, Vito Galvano. He was uh, Greedo Gravano. He was, uh, his original name was Antonio Tony Twist Twistelli. And this led to a lawsuit because a, a Canadian hockey player, he based the character on a Canadian hockey player enforcer called Tony Twist. Now, this Tony Twist fought, uh, sued McFarlane in 1997. Ten years later, in 2007, the lawsuit finally ended. Uh, Tony McFarlane ended up paying uh, $5 million to Tony Twist. But when he was asked about his portrayal, normally Tony Twist, he's an enforcer. You know, he had nothing against McFarlane. But as Spawn became more popular, the comment he made was about his character, Tony Twist. Uh, because he's a, by the way, in real life, this Tony Twist character, he, he's a good looking guy. He's a good looking hockey player enforcer. And what, and this is what he had to say about, about the character of Vito Gravano, who was referred to as Antonio Twistelli. He says, Look, the character uh, talking about the character of Vito. He says, "I'm in I'm in pink thong underwear, smoking a cigar, ordering the kidnapping of the child, while two women on a couch are making out with each other." <laughs> he goes, "Even if, <laughs> even if I, even if I am a good guy, I don't, you know, I, I don't like that depiction." So, uh, and and the reason why I bring up the lawsuit, and the reason why Spawn uh, McFarlane ultimately lost the lawsuit, is precisely because of what you and I have been talking about. It's McFarlane's propensity to always go to the extremes that ultimately had him lose that lawsuit because he made sure that the bad guys are very, very bad, almost over the top bad. I mean, v Vito Gravano isn't just a mobster. He's a real dick. I mean, yeah. he's I mean, he's a dick. on. He, he's an unlikable person. I mean, you could have he doesn't even try to hide his the excesses of his lifestyle. I mean, he he he. Everybody is expendable. He treats women badly, everyone badly. I mean, again, smoking a cigar, holding the, you know, wearing a pink thong, you know, uh, hates everybody. I mean, just you're always having a shit-eating grin on his face, the dark glasses, fat, overweight. Um, I mean, you can't blame, I mean, <laughs> you can't blame Tony Twist in real life to say, hey, you know what, enough already. I mean, uh and he did ultimately end up getting $5 million as a settlement. So it took 10 years, but he did get it. But I just put that out there that sometimes, uh, sometimes the excesses that, that are brought to these comic books, uh, they do have consequences and, and uh, just some real world realities. You got to be careful who you portray in your comic books because uh, <laughs> as Tard McFarlane found out, you could get sued for it. Yeah. Yeah. Between that and the Neil Gaiman thing, yeah. Um, some people, yeah, well, there's theories about things McFarland had to do because of that, but, uh, in, uh, anyway, it was a, it was a fun issue, a little bit of a setup issue. Like I said, a little bit of a catch-up issue. Let's maneuver everybody into place. Let's put spawn in place. Let's make sure people know overt kill still around. The mob hasn't forgotten about spawn. Uh, cause we, we talked about that right before we went down the path of dealing with who killed spawn with chapel. And then the, the last couple of issues dealing with uh, Malbolgia and magic and whatnot. Here's McFarland back to remind us, hey, the real uh, nemesis of Spawn is is the uh, the mob. So they're back uh, in in full effect here. 
and we get what Sam and Twitch is up to again over you know, like I mentioned Terry Fitzgerald and Wanda so yeah McFarland's back he's putting everything back where he wants it and we'll uh, we'll continue with the hunt part two in tomorrow's episode of uh, of the daily spawn so uh, don't forget everybody be sure you head over to YouTube if you have not if you're not watching the episodes on YouTube you can check them out there and see the art as we're talking about it uh, be sure you go to Rocky's channel comic space boom exclamation point and subscribe Ring the notification bell so you know when new content comes out and like this video. Uh, if you always watch on YouTube, you should also go and subscribe to the Comic Source Audio only. So go to your favorite podcasting app on your smart device or podcasting platform, uh, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, what have you, uh, and just do a search for the Comic Source and subscribe because we put out plenty of content that's not uh, on YouTube that's audio only uh, for your nice uh, drive into work or subway ride or what have you. So uh, we really appreciate you guys joining us for Spawn Daily, and we'll talk to you next time. See you later. You can find the Comic Source Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or whichever podcasting app you prefer. Please tell all your friends about us, subscribe, and rate us. The ratings really help with our visibility and our ability to reach new listeners, especially five-star reviews on Apple. Also be sure to visit us at lrmonline.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover all our other great pop culture content. If you want to email us, the email address is thecomicsourceblog at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash thecomicsource. Do a search for The Comic Source on Facebook and Instagram to follow us on those social platforms. All three spots are great places to find out when we release new episodes as well as follow all our convention coverage. So once again, we want to thank everyone for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.